You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Basic Gordon here. Welcome back to another episode of Rewind with Basa. I've been trying to get Marshall on the show for a minute. I'm not even going to hold you. It's really my fault. So <laughs> I am very happy that he is finally up here to talk about his band, Marshall Law Band, and just also him as a freaking whole. Marshall has done so many things in this community, and he's been such a pillar of just literally creating different events to make it to where community has a voice, while also creating money opportunities for people to be able to live their best lives out here, whether it's food, shelter or just getting the word out that we need more of both okay so we're going to bring in marshall as soon as we jump into this intro of course right here on rewind with basa hey marshall what's going on family how you doing (laughs) i'm good how are you i'm doing i feel so blessed to be here right now um it's a such a full circle moment i know we've been talking about it for a while so I'm just excited to be here, to be honest. I'm excited to have you here. I've been following you for a minute, and I think that this is the perfect opportunity for both of us to be able to have this conversation, whether it's like at the top of the year, whether it's after your amazing gala that you had, or me just seeing you at Medium's event. Like, I feel like there's been so many things that have happened over the years to where this is like our perfect opportunity to talk. Yeah, it culminated. I feel like it's perfect timing. And uh, like likewise, I've been watching your ascent through all the different media ranks and uh, just had admiration for the way you're moving in the city. So respect to you, praise to you, flowers to you. <laughs> and uh, thank you for having me. Flowers to you, man. <laughs> and you pulling up like, OK, let's get into it. Absolutely. So- What people don't realize is that just like me, you started out on the street team-esque of iHeart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it was iHeart back then. Uh, I think it was Was iHeart. I think it was like recently. ah, I think it was just recently iHeart. Um, but yeah, I was cube 93 and then I became like a flex player. I was helping out at, uh, 106.1 events. Mm-hmm. They even had me on some sporting events, like wherever they needed me. I went and showed up. I was on the streets handing out them stickers. Yeah. How intense. <laughs> I'd go. I was the main flyer Breaking guy. Tables, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stapling flyers onto the little poles. Doing Whether it, it was all. raining or not because rain, sleet or no, snow. Yeah. Had to be there. You have to flyer. Of course. Whether it's snowing, rainy, and you don't have let to it fly. be a Seahawks game, and they're like, and you're like, oh, I don't want to, and they're like, there is forty thousand people out here. Yeah. If you don't get your pet. No, have you? Did you ever do the coin drive in the morning where it was like, it was like we had these big bins. I think it was like Bender, or, you know, Jackie and Bender, yes! and then you'd be <laughs> five a.m. You'd wake up, go out there, go to Starbucks like, with the coins, coin bin, just shaking it. Yeah, I done it all. I done it all. I'm telling you, I earned my, I earned it. it. I earned it, you know? So. I hated it so much, but it was worth it in these <laughs> It was moments. worth it. It was worth it all. Because I could be like, a little bit, what you did? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody could say that uh, I didn't get it, uh, in you know. In the rain. Out the, out the worst conditions possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you've done some good. You, you, you've at least helped me out. I know that for a fact. So I got nothing but love for uh, iHeart because uh, it made me grow up and grow up fast. And, yeah. you know, I left school to pursue music 
and I got this internship and I really thought like, oh, I'm about to meet J. Cole and then he's about to sign me and then it's up. But no, I learned a lot of the... the Don't work like that. Yeah, the grind that really goes into it and how to respect the industry and whether it's music, radio, or just media in general, there's a protocol that you have to go through and there's so many people behind the scenes uh, that make this whole thing move. So to start from the street patrol and, and ground up, and to be here is such like a full circle moment. And I did everything the exact same today. I took the same bus. I walked down the same street. I walked in the exact same way, pressed the same elevator button, uh, looked at the mural in the lobby and, and took it all in and looked at the same freight car or tra whatever they got. Come on. You know? The thing that shakes the building. That's yeah. right. Where when I'm doing interviews, people are like. Do you feel that? I'm like, yeah, I do. It's fine. It's, the, the it's train is, natural. You can see it right through that window. Yeah. There it goes. There it goes. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I did everything the exact same. And it was just a, a walk down memory lane. And I've just been very appreciative uh, to be where I am presently and where I was back then. It, it took some time, but I always envisioned this moment. And I'm happy to have this moment with you. Do you feel like you learned anything from back then outside <laughs> of just like, I mean, grind tells itself, but... <laughs> When you're on like street team, you don't yeah. have a choice but to grind because you're Absolutely. literally doing as what I tell everyone, you're doing what nobody wants to do. Mm -hmm. No one wants to carry a tent. And you got a smile on your face. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't dare have a frown. <laughs> yeah, like, don't act like this sucks or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't that way. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing I learned is how to push a brand. Mm. And, you know, you look at it like we already talked about. You're going, you're putting flyers up. You're going, you're engaging with people. You're getting emails. Yeah, guerrilla marketing. You know, if I'm going to do that for iHeart or for Cube 93 at the time, and if I don't do that for myself and my brand and Marshall Hugh, Marshall Law Band, then I'm doing myself a disservice. So it really just laid the blueprint of, okay, you don't need some sort of major cosign. If you hit the ground and you can do what they did with the budget that they had to get the word out about the station. And I apply some of those same tactics to what I'm trying to do with my music and my philanthropy and whatnot, then I know I can make noise. It's just a matter of effort. And Absolutely. That's what, that's what it put me on to. And effort. I think a lot of people don't really realize that effort takes more than just putting your music on SoundCloud. Yeah. Or putting your music or even making it accessible these days on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like it's so much more than that. And that old school promo is still a necessary. It's be whether there. it's getting in with your community, whether it's coming up to different radio stations, mixing, mingling, networking, like all of that is still important. A lot do of it. people don't want to do it. Yeah. To, the way I looked at it is like, how do I make this dream of mine tangible and sustainable? So I'm out here looking like, I need a thousand people to give me a hundred dollars a year just to even make this thing push. And so every interaction I have is to tally that a thousand. And so if you can go out and directly influence, even have one conversation with one person per day, that means three years down the road, you should be able to make those connections and hit that thousand person mark to make this realistic. And that's, that's the big, that's the big difference that iHeart, you know, taught me. Absolutely. And there was one thing that I saw. Um, it looks like Marshall Law, at least according to Google, because mm -hmm. you know, Google sometimes lies, <laughs> especially if you have seen it. Um, it. It started in about 2017. Yeah, right. So around when there. did you start working at iHeart? Um, I was there, I think, uh, 2014. Mm. I, I left school 2013. And um, basically, I went to the school in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's called Carnegie Mellon. 
and I went there to play basketball and football. And I was really like a jock in high school. I didn't really do a lot of music. Sports was really what took me to, you know, care about school that took me to care about life in general. And then when I got there, it was mostly an academic school. So even if you go score 20 points, have two interceptions or whatever, you know, People are looking at you like, who, what, you know, and I found music. I used to just freestyle at the parties and whatnot. And once I started rapping and I started getting that energy, I'm like, man, this is the same thing as sports. Like I'm, I'm really feeling that rush. And I, I started my sophomore year and then that sophomore year, I got my cube 93 internship at iHeart and, uh, I just decided I'm not coming back and uh, be like that. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was, you know, parents kicked me out the house. It was the whole, the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I never wavered once I put my uh, flag in the ground and because I saw how intense the coders were and the people that were in academics fully at Carnegie Mellon, how much they just poured their lives into it. And I said, you know, if I'm going to leave, I have to pour my life into it the same way that they are doing their craft and their passion. So those two years in Pittsburgh made me grow up a lot, realized what passion really looks like and pursuing your passion really looks like. Then I got here like, you know, 2014 and I was, I was like the Van Wilder of iHeart. Like I never went, I never wanted to be a team lead or anything. I just wanted to be an intern, go to all the shows. Uh, you know, I got a chance to do a bunch of summer jams, uh, a bunch of bumper shoots. I haven't been to summer jam. Really? We got to bring it back somehow, some way. I didn't get to make it. Oh no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I think my last one was Kid Ink and then, you know, kind of went down from there. Shout out Kid Ink though. Kid Ink is dope. Yeah. I love Kid. He's, he's done well for us over here. So I, you can't, you can't hate. This is true. Yeah. This is very true. He came and did this um, thing multiple times. You know, I don't even want to go like directly into recent times, mm-hmm. but I want to like take it back to not like diving deep into it because we got a lot of things going on around mm-hmm. right now and it's depressing, but protest. Yeah. Right. And at least that's how I found out about you. Obviously not saying that that's how you came about, mm-hmm. but that's how Basic Gordon found out about Marshall. Word. And within that, I saw that you guys were this band and you would be with the protesters and you would kind of like change the vibe of it to where it's like, it's a little heavy right about, but you know what? We're mm-hmm. going to lighten it up and we're going to make sure that you guys understand what we're trying to say because sometimes when people are like yelling and they're just as some people deem it to be being negative they don't mm-hmm. necessarily hear what you're saying yeah but i think they were able to hear what you guys were saying through your music yeah was that like the point all along or did you just have a moment of being with the protesters and being like you know what maybe this will help yeah well if you like uh that was the point all along you know you go back you listen to songs like head nod uh you know i say like uh, now my city on fire from the latest protest, stress be weighing down my neck. You know, I found my inner balance and focus on my talents. Like I wrote that, like I literally wrote that 2015. It got mm. recorded 2017, you know? So, uh, because of like who my pops is and, uh, you know, the, I was always that one friend that was like screaming, like revolution, you know, once I read Malcolm X book at O'Day high school, like my sophomore Come year, on, you feel me? It, it really sent me down that path. And so I've always been that guy. And when I left school, I was like, I want to start a grassroots movement that's going to change the world. That was my objective. At the time, my lyrics didn't match my intentions, but I had to go through that grueling process. And then, uh, you know, prior to the protest, we were we still did. We had one Emerald City Gala underneath our belt. We had uh, Splash Fest, which is kind of a precursor to Fremont Fridays. So we already looked at as kind of leaders in the local music scene. And then when the protest happened, I had a bunch of people just hit me up like, Marshall, we need your voice right now. We need your voice right now. We need you to say something, to do something, to put this in a frame of reference that, 
we could understand. And I was struggling with it because it wasn't really in a frame of reference I could understand. Mm. And so I went out to the protest a couple of times and I just felt kind of that heaviness that you were talking about. And um, I took a day off and Amari was on live stream with 4,000 people watching on his personal Facebook. And he had just gotten pepper sprayed and he was screaming like, yo, this is a, a time for leadership. If there are leaders in Seattle, if there are people that consider yourself leaders, like you need to physically be here. And since I had already been there, that call out, like it viscerally hit me differently. I'm like, I need to be there, but I need to be there in the capacity that I, that is true to me. And so we really became, exactly. We became like the hub of the mutual aid, mm -hmm. right? You had the protest going on here, but like a block away, you had the mutual aid. Yep you know, like hub. And that was where we were at. We would play three, four songs. We would tell people, Hey, stop, go take some waters in there. Go tag somebody out because, uh, anyone who's been in a protest, they know how exhausting it is. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so if you aren't taking breaks, if you aren't checking on yourself or mentally, physically water. or eating food in these type of things. So, you know, that along with, you know, everything that, uh, Julie C and team did and Love Julie. you know, the whole unit there, we really hey, like, yeah. Hi Julie. How you doing? You know, uh, uh, the the theater above, they're the ones who trickled down their power all the way in three different extension cords to even make it possible. And we went and rented our own stage, bought our own generator with the money we had left in the band fund. And, you know, for that for that time, we just completely sold out to being that like positive magnet. And a lot of people, like you said, they're not comfortable maybe screaming in the middle of a protest with a bullhorn, but they are comfortable, you know, maybe a block away getting what they have to say off their chest and giving people platforms. And so that's what we were. We were that energized station and that kind of point of coordination right there, along with, uh, you know, the bike staff, the mutual aid staff, a bunch of people that uh, really in the uh, the medics too. the medics were huge. Those so were, we were out there really playing for, there, uh, you know, we're playing for the people that uh, we're like playing for the staff, playing yeah. for the people that come back and back and to give them something to look forward to. And it was also a great vibe because sometimes I would hear you guys come up coming up Denny because I live downtown yeah. right by uh, Whole Foods. And then, you know, with me, like at that time, I was still doing nights on Cube. So I'm in, literally in my apartment because it's COVID and I can't <laughs> yeah. go to work. And all I hear is doom, 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 yeah. doom, doom, Black Lives Matter. I was like, oh my God, they're coming up the street again. Yeah. <laughs> and like literally I would sometimes look out my window and I would actually see people. I would like run outside. So it's really dope to hear some of the behind the scenes bound to where you guys felt that I mean obviously you did but you felt the same heavy energy that I felt just sitting mm -hmm. in my apartment to where I was like okay I can't be out there I can't you know be on the front line but I can do something yeah and there's some people where it's like that's their kick that's their calling they're like yo I want to be right next to a police officer uh you know protected and dealing with this situation and that's that's, I encourage those people. And the thing about uh, any movement has to have multiple arms, mm -hmm. multiple branches, and every person has to fill their role and where they think their role is sustainable. And we know that music wise, playing music for the people, we could do that for the rest of our lives. So we lended what was a sustainable ability of ours to the movement during that time. And, uh, you know, some of that uh, everybody can talk, but unless you were there, a part of it and seeing it, uh, you know, you got to talk or feel it through a screen, you know, being there in person, same. It, it was as intense as intense can be. And uh, we're bonded with a lot of people for lives as a result of that.
And then before we change the subject, this is one thing I like to ask a lot of people. What did you learn about media, mm. news, mainstream media being there? You yeah. know, it's one thing when you see these different tragedies happen. But when you're a part of that tragedy and then you do an interview and then you see you're like, First of all, I didn't say that. Mm -hmm. Second of all, I didn't do that. Third of all, why did you use this clip and not that yeah. one? And I sometimes feel like it might actually create a different uh, opinion or even visual on news. So did mm -hmm. that change how you saw stations yeah. like a CNN or even a Fox News? Because Absolutely. they didn't necessarily portray you or any really anyone else that was out here correctly because mm -hmm. they weren't here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and that's why we made our album 12th and Pine is to try to put a stake in the ground is where people on the street saw it. And it could be something that, you know, decades down the road, when people study this time in history in Seattle, they're able to look at our album as a firsthand account. And our first song on the album is called real news, R E E L, because that's what it felt like a highlight reel of what they came. And that's what we said, you know, we don't need CNN or Fox news. We need truth. And what's a good one, by the way, yeah, I'll check it out. That. Yeah, it's right <laughs> off the top. And, uh, you know, we said, you know, press, thanks for the coverage, but we got to change the subject. Stop putting us against each other. Yeah. I bet we all got more in common. There's no need to be dishonest just to lie some more dollars in your pockets. And, you know, CNN, they kind of showed what was going on, but they picked the most sensationalized clips and really just further divided us. And then Fox News, they just had it completely wrong. They called me Chaz Marshall of Antifa. And they thought that I was a marshal of Antifa when my name is Marshall. I don't know whose interview yeah. I was watching that you were on, but they were like, so they basically Simone you. And I said, I was like, basically? Like, I'm in my living room. I was like, yeah, that's wild. what they did to it's him. Wild. Mind you, his name, like, what? It's my, it's my name. If you needed more information, you could have just asked. Literally, you know, and so it was, it was just a realization that, uh, you know, national media, whether they're on the left or the right, yeah. they're going to do what increases clicks increases revenue at the time and to really find the truth you got to go to mediums like converge and so that's why i push everybody to converge because if you really want the scoop if you really want what's going on in seattle you have to go to people that have the whole frame of reference to actually put the story out the right way with the subtle nuances there's so many nuances that go into what was happening out there mm -hmm. and if it's not somebody that's well versed they're going to make human error. They're going to fuck it up. They're gonna, exactly. It, uh, easily said. <laughs> you, got, you got it right. You got it right. And that's what a lot of people did. Now, speaking of messing things up, I was watching something recently about like Black History Month and how people wanted to be portrayed in these upcoming years. Do you worry about people only betraying Black History Month as like the negativities Rather than the great things that we're still mm. doing. Like, it's not like we're not still making history in this day. Yeah. Yes. The things that happened, happened. And we still, we should never, like, never forget that. We should never, like, put it in a corner. Like, this is not a baby in the corner moment. But acknowledge it. But what about the good things that we're doing right, mm -hmm. doing right now? Like, do you ever worry, especially after something like that, with all these companies that literally ran to it? And then when Juneteenth came, everyone was like, Juneteenth, we're going to make a Juneteenth wristband and some <laughs> Juneteenth ice cream. And then all of a sudden it's silence after that. Like, do you worry about those things during Black History Month? Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? Because 
especially someone like me. By the way, it's February 1st. Well, yeah, first as we were We're here. We're here. We made it. Another one. Come on. Come on. I, I think it's I think it's tough, right? Especially someone like me. I frame history and what I've experienced in a positive manner so that I feel like I can reach the widest audience. But if me as an individual, I experience highs and lows and don't always view the world through these rose tinted glasses that yeah. I made intentionally choose to promote my uh, passions through. So I feel like there needs to be a balance, but I also feel that us as individuals and as black people, we have to control the narrative in our spaces, how we feel most passionately. And there are going to be people that passionately feel that we need to remember the dark times. And there's people like myself that feel like we need to create some healing spaces and progressively move forward. And I think those two actions will counterbalance each other and we're working towards progression. And so that that's how I look at it. I don't feel like it's just like, I, I have to run what I'm comfortable with, but if someone had a different opinion than me and wanted to highlight maybe the dark times, that's what they feel passionate about. And they're just as entitled to push that as I'm entitled to push bringing people together. So, you know, that that's that's how I look at it. I'm going to do what I do, but that doesn't mean that other people shouldn't do what they feel in, in their soul. And it's going to be, you know, we need those counterbalances. I definitely think that we need those counterbalances because we don't want to forget. Like, you know, I saw that they were, I don't remember what, who said it was, but they said they made Mensa Musa like white in the history books as of recent. And so I absolutely think it's very important for us to make sure that we talk about the things that happened in the past while also talking about the positive things that are happening in the future, in the future and the things that happened in the past. Cause a lot of times I feel like when it comes to black history, everyone's like, okay, slavery, this slavery, that, you know, boycott this boycott that, which is <laughs> those things happen. And I'd be damned if we forget them, but mm -hmm. we still have these great things where it's like, you know, you were just recently on TEDx, you know, what I mean, you you've been in all these different spaces and it's like those things should not be forgotten along with our history. But it also shouldn't be washed out by the negative history. If that Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like the reason I'm able to even go on platforms like a TEDx is because I stand on the backs of giants and people not only in my family, but people in this region that have made so many sacrifices. And a lot of those are negative and, and dark times in their lives to be able to allow me to shine. So mm -hmm. you got you got to pay homage to the past and but you also can't be bogged down by it because it's our duty to progress it. Now, let me ask you this. What does uh bringing love to the community look like to you within music? Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when I grew up in the Central District on 19th and Cherry, mm -hmm. <laughs> for those that don't know, <laughs> uh, we used to have uh, block parties mm -hmm. and then we would have music, we'd have food and it was just great energy. It didn't matter if there was a band there or if there wasn't a band there, but it was just pure, amazing energy. And that's something that you always talk about bringing forth with your music and just the different things that you're cultivating for our community. So what does that look like to you if nothing goes wrong? Yeah. Well, I think kind of one of the wildest things is like I've been through so much and uh, been blessed to do so many things that sometimes I forget about some of the things that we've done or mm. we continue to do. And uh, the what what bringing positivity directly to the people looks like for us 
is breaking out our parade float, the SS Jelly Bean. Come on. And literally strapping and uh, zip tying down all of our instruments and revving up our generator and driving directly through the streets of Seattle. We went all the way from Fremont to West Seattle playing music live for the people on the back of a parade float. And it was just the wildest thing to go from where we have police, you know, chasing us, tear gassing us to literally a police escort driving us through the city. So how many times was the difference for that to happen? Uh, I mean, we did it without asking any sort of permission which matters yeah you know what i mean <laughs> like you like, did it <laughs> we're gonna just do it and deal with whatever repercussions come with it so the way that the ss jelly bean came about is uh we had dropped 12th and pine okay and i'm like we got to figure out a way to promote this everyone's like talking talking i'm like you know what we should do is get a parade flow and everybody in the band just laughed they're like ah i'm like why are you guys laughing like i'm being serious and it kind of just lit a put a battery in my back you know lit a fire i'm like nah i think i know somebody at the fremont art council like like what called the hell? Us. i'm like yo you got a parade float lying around they're like actually i think we might so we went we you know reupholstered it got everything back shout out matt shout out mercy are in the band they you know did a lot of the the hard work ayana the girlfriends all came together painted it and whatnot and we just uh strapped it to matt's truck and got a new hitch and just started driving down the street playing music and people's response was they were very thankful that music was it was a great way to bring music back to the people it was a safe way to do it during that time Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i just i have i vividly remember uh being right there at taco city taco city is a yeah it's one of the spots you know what i'm saying that's one of the spots i had a quesadilla there i was like you know i don't know about enough about cheese but this is some good (laughs) cheese this quesadilla (laughs) ma'am where did you get this from (laughs) right we were posted right there in that turn lane for about 45 minutes just playing music and i remember a officer just driving by and all of us just looking at him like What's the what's your next move? What's the move, sir? And I just drove on. He's like, we, uh, uh, live your man. life, <laughs> you know. And, and that was a really special moment for all of us because um, there was a guy named Doctor Wonderbread um, who was like an old, old, about like an eighty-year-old man, and he actually got out of his house during COVID, was drove drove there and was playing like he plays different percussion and was playing on the jelly bean with us during that moment. And then he passed about like two months after that. That was the last time that Wonder Bread and I got to play together. And that moment was just like, man, we're here standing up for something. We're bringing music directly for the people. And it's influencing this 87-year-old white man on his deathbed to come out and be a part of it. And he would rather risk going out during you know COVID. during covid during covid he said i'd rather play music and be a part of this to you know before i pass and it's wild. It, it's, it's, that's what it's like to bring music to the people to me and bringing love to the people is going and directly showing up on their doorstep yeah. <laughs> whether they want it or not you go here it is mob let me ask you this though uh we talked about this a little bit earlier fremont mm-hmm. fridays is coming back for 2023 yeah yeah, yeah. Does anyone need to expect anything different? <laughs> Any upgrades? Like when? Like when can we pull up? Yeah. So what we're trying to do, I mean, the thing is, it's been all self-funded. Yeah. And we've had some opportunities to uh, self-funded as well as uh, the bar LTD. Shout out my boy Jack. They're the first people to really break the model of artist and venue relationships, which is a big thing here in Seattle. And what they basically said is, if we do well. Y'all will do well. Mm-hmm. 
And if we sell this amount in alcohol, then y'all will receive this. Mm -hmm. And that's allowed us to keep it free and to use our jelly bean as a stage and to use our sound system as the production. So uh, the first two years, it was really, it was independent. It was us and Mediums Collective coming together with people like Riker behind the scenes, booking people. Hi, Riker. Hey, Riker. You know, I'll meet with Mike Riker <laughs> later on at uh, my spot. Jerry I Shack. love Riker. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, what yeah. are you guys doing there? Come on, right wait, after a, this. wait a darn two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Come when on. does this happen? What time right is after it? This, yeah, uh, right after Riker, this. Riker, I might pull up on y'all. Wait a minute. <laughs> so it's like. Uh, uh, Rasta Basta. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Tell me that. I'm no, I'm dead you. serious. I might pull up with y'all. That, that was a spot. You told me, like, hey, what's your favorite spot? That was about to, that was about to be my spot. Okay, we need a second one now. Oh, uh, uh, Taco City. This is for nine randoms, Marshall. <laughs> okay, my bad, my nine, bad. Well, look, no. we know that Marshall's favorite. Okay, wait. We're going to bring that back a little okay, later. Okay, good, good, but good. Yeah. I'm pulling up. <laughs> Please do. Please do. But yeah, for Fremont Fridays, it's one of these things we're looking for, like, official sponsorship. We're mm. looking to, like, make that third year jump. I have a question, though, mm. about sponsorships. You know, there are some companies and some people and some brands and just whatever to where it's like, I don't want to work with this kind of company mm -hmm. or I don't want to work with because of what it stands for. Right. Absolutely. Like Walmart stands for certain things, et cetera. And so people are like, is there a certain kind of company where you're like, these are the values that I really want to partner with. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fine line. Right. Because you look at somebody like Nike, for example. I would love to do a partnership with Nike, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't disagree with their manufacturing processes. Someone like, I didn't like how the NFL did uh, Kaepernick, mm -hmm. but now Kaepernick is working hand in hand with them to try to accomplish a bigger mission. So it really is just, I don't feel like anybody who's in a position to give $100,000 to a person like myself is probably has the squeakiest clean of pass, to be honest, Where are the you know, lies? so I'm going me. to have to evaluate it on a case by case basis. Look at what we're capable of accomplishing with their support versus their past and make a judgment call. And that's just the reality of the place that I'm in right now. And I would love it if some black owned company came in and said, Marshall, I see what you're doing. <clears throat> I see where you're trying to take this thing. I see how hard you've been working and here goes the money to make it happen. If that happens and you're seeing this right now, please, I would love that. But if Target comes calling and we're going to we're going to make a deal because I know that given a platform where I can take this and where the people around me are prepared to take this and that it comes to a larger point myself. You and other select people of color in this region are actually prepared for the moment, are actually prepared for the spotlight. And when that time comes, those people are going to be able to handle the day in and day out rigmarole that happens and the intensity that happens and be able to create a launch pad for generations to come. And so that's not going to happen for me without getting my hands dirty yeah so to speak i have to go and physically be the ones that take that takes the criticism that takes the side eyes that takes the the rumors and everything because if it's not me who's it going to be it might be somebody 10 years down the road people that look like us don't sit in these seats yeah so i got to make some hard decisions and i got to live with them and i got to do it with the the full speed mentality i'm not here to half step I'm a nice guy. Everybody knows that about me. But those who really know me know how intense 
I really am and how intense you have to be to even be sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. Especially looking like how we look in this city. That part. You know? Now, let me ask you this. Now, getting into community things, is that something that you grew up being part of or did you take that on yourself? Yeah, it's always kind of been... Because like, like I know for me, it's not something that I like grew up part of. It's something yeah. kind of I'm like, oh, OK, well, let me do this. Let me do that. You know, that was, uh, you know, because so I originally my dad's from South Central L.A. My mom's from Tucson, Arizona. They met at Lewis and Clark University in Portland and then moved up here uh, with my dad getting in kind of the tech sphere. Um, so I've always been raised like my summers are in L.A. I've always been raised with kind of like a South Central mentality mm -hmm. and I was raised in Mill Creek. So I was one of like a few black people and I was always the person like hey, if someone needs to talk. Marshall, you go and talk. So mm -hmm. I was always that person as I had class projects or whatever I was talking. Then around the third or that in between. Yeah. You know, and then around the third or fourth grade, I played. I can never forget. I played rotary style for the first time. And my pop said, look. You're going down here every week until you understand what it really is out here in this community. I ran SCAA track wow. and I went to O'Day High School. And that's when I really started to immerse myself in the Seattle community to where it's like uh, I did this thing called Teens in Public Service. And I went and uh, did a uh, internship during the summer with this place called Morningstar, which is for a kindergarten, uh, kin basically a kindergarten for kids in transitional housing. And that was the first time I got to see that, okay, there's a corporate entity that's sponsoring me being here, but I'm here in the trenches with mostly kids of color from my general community. And I'm directly helping these kids grow and learn. And that's the kind of blueprint that I started following. Okay, this is how you have to do it. You have to go, you have to get the money, and then you have to go and directly influence the people and teach them how to navigate the system so they can break these generational curses and these red line curses on, that our city curses. has put in place and they can do it themselves. So that's kind of how I got started in community activism in Seattle specifically. And then, you know, iHeart and just making music that started going hand in hand. I already had the fire lit underneath me to leave music and start a grassroots movement that made impactful change in my region and hopefully the world. And it kind of just became a perfect storm of, you know, making music, being a public face and using my background and my family's background to 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 change things around here. And then real quick, you know, coming into this community of just being like, look, we can make things a little better. Have you been following what the students have been saying these days, especially the ones that like Rainier Beach and yeah. even UW? Like, they're not having it. Uh, they're completely, like, they're, they're, they're They're not having it. And yeah. I love to see it because, you know, you look at a lot of our black leaders and community leaders from back in the day. They were like 19, 20. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they were 17, 18, but you just didn't realize that they were that young because they were so knowledgeable mm -hmm. of what I mean it was honestly common sense but I digress yeah. you know what I mean so what are some of your thoughts on what these kids are doing or even just positive words of encouragement that you might have for them to keep making sure that their voice is heard yeah I got to give a big shout out to Converge because I've been able to follow along because of the coverage that Converge has been doing on the front lines to highlight these youth the, the youth is the future and they have an ability to believe. Mm -hmm. I feel like as we get older, we get knocked down so many times and told no so many times. We don't even dare to dream. 
the youth has the ability to dare to dream and they're going to be able to be the ones to be on the front lines. And they also have the physical attributes to go out there and not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. And that was a big thing that I felt like Seattle, when we went through our big protest phase or whatever, we didn't have the voices that were talking the talk and walking the walk. These youth that are stepping up now, if they can be consistent through their teens and their 20s, they're the ones that are going to build on. I talk about how I stand on the back of Giants. These people are going to stand on my shoulders and what we've been able to do and take it even further. So I got to shout out the youth in a lot of ways and just continue to dare to dream because y'all have it. You know what's right. You intrinsically know what's right. Keep following your moral compass and just be bold. Be bold. Don't let people that are older than you tell you, oh, no, 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 don't do it this way. Go find out for yourself. If you if you find out and you learn that that was the wrong way, that at least you had the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. And let your voice be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one thing I was talking to Gramaya about. He was like, these kids are the closest to these problems that we're talking about right now. But I never hear their solutions on TV. Mm-hmm. They never talk about their solutions on the news. And I'm like, that's because more people like you need to be there. Yeah. If all the council members and all the news anchors and everyone that pops up at six, seven in the morning would actually be there with these kids at three, four in the afternoon, mm-hmm. maybe more of this stuff would be on TV rather than just when, you know, the mayor or the governor pops up. And then we could actually really hear what some of our ideas are doing to these youth. Like, Mm-hmm. Things you thought of four years ago was affecting people in high school right now. Absolutely. I got to also give a big shout out to Germay because Germay went to Stanford with my sister. Mm. And when I went to visit my sister, Germay met Germay on a basketball court. He had a basketball tournament. And so it's just crazy how small the community is, yeah. and how tight knit it is. And to see what Germay is doing, it gives me confidence and belief that I could follow in his footsteps. So I just want to be that type of example to that next generation that's coming. So we, we just got to shake things up and do it unapologetically. And we have to do it. You know, Germay's got his lane. I got my lane. You got your lane. There are black people in this city that are prepared for creating wider lanes for the youth to run through and then bust the doors down. Absolutely. You know, you recently did your Emerald City Gala at the Crocodile. That was the first time I went to the Crocodile after it moved to like its other location. And I was like... Movie theater, a stage here, a stage there, and another room there, hotels upstairs. It's like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's really one of the, it's because it's became a cultural hub. And what was so beautiful about the crocodile is they treated me and my ideas like they wanted me to be there Mm. and to be successful. That's a huge thing. Everything I brought up, it was, yes, how do I make it happen? Uh, We don't typically do this, but let me ask this person and let's make this happen. And I told him at the end of the night, you know, I'd never felt so at home in a Seattle venue bringing, you know, I'm not running a typical show. I got 15 people up here, 15 people down here. Everybody's dressed crazy. I got to bring in installments. <laughs> I, you know, I got the LED screen and everything, <laughs> and, you know, in the past people like, bro, Marshall, no, this isn't how it's done. Instead, they said, I know this is how we typically do stuff but we see that you are trying to bring a new vision and new life and we're going to support you as a black creator. And it felt good being there. It did. It did. And so, uh, yeah, we'll be back next year. 
I, I like it, it was good. Like it like uh, there were people that I met. There were people that I knew that I didn't know that I knew or people that knew me that I didn't know knew me. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was the flat, the, 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 the pictures. I got to meet your dad. I got to yeah. see you perform. I got to see all these people. And then you went downstairs. It was hip stop, hip hop. Yeah. Upstairs, it was like rock contemporary. And then eventually everybody came together in one spot. And it yeah. was just like no weird energy, no weird competition. Everyone came together for community and fun raising yeah and that's a space that you created absolutely and it uh, created intentionally you know and it's one of those things where if i don't follow out my dreams that i've had since i was here as an intern and i always wanted to have that mission of bringing people together if i didn't do it who would and so i have to keep carrying this mantle and i'm very comfortable with fremont fridays the emerald city gala and the music that we make being the contribution to this region as an example of what can happen if you choose this route. And I think it's also important to highlight like the space that I create, it's not really, it's competitive as far as friendly competition, uh, but it's not really like cutthroat, but it's okay to have spaces that are cutthroat too. We know yeah. this about being in, in any corporate high level job It's cutthroat. Sometimes you don't have a choice. It's cut. It's, it's really cutthroat. So, you know, I, I don't, feel like every person has to be on some like kumbaya you know hug and that's my thing but other people as long as you're approaching things with the same professionalism and intensity that i'm approaching my lane with then people can pick and choose what they prefer to be a part of but you know the emerald city gala is something that not only do we bring 20 different acts together we do awards everyone looks fly it brings the whole city's energy up but we filled a whole u-haul full of donations and on Christmas Day, we fed 723 people and closed 723 people. That's tangible impact. Yeah. That's tangible impact. So if we can, you know, replicate that, do that monthly, that's just for my organization. If we can find many other people and so many talented, especially people of color, to feel that empowered to go and do it, we can have something for the city damn near every day. And now we're actually working towards healing some of these mental health crises, these food crises and these, uh, uh, you know, clothing and just uh, a lot of people are sad out here. Yeah. A lot of people are sad. And if you're happy, you need to share that with people. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's why, you know, people like yourself are so important because your music is about love and bringing people together and doing things like this to where it's like, yeah, I'm doing this great concert, but there's a reason for this concert. We're not just out here partying and being like, yeah, and doing a head bop for no reason. Like there's a reason for this. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? There is a bigger purpose outside of ourselves for this. And I'm curious because as far as I'm concerned, you're still in your 20s. Yeah, yeah. Well, something <laughs> like that. Something like that. No, I just turned 30. What? Yeah, come on. I look young. Got to youthful soul but now nah, i'm gonna do this thing till the wheels fall off how does it feel to have accomplished all this in your 30s or before you even <sighs> turn 30 um it's one of those things where it's like for me i didn't start music until i was pretty much 22 mm. so a lot of people they get they're blessed to like go into a musical family like i'm still i'm still figuring things out you yeah. really don't hit it until you're like 10 years deep in the game so for me the way i look at it and those who know my pops it's like this man had a stroke and still didn't stop. So he, he's going to go until he's 80. Me, I'm looking at it like I have built this foundation and I still have 50 years 
to build off of this foundation that I have, whether it be the gala, TED Talks, the album Twelfth and Pine. That TED Talk speech, that TED Talk speech was good. Hey, say I didn't go in. It was good. <laughs> if, if you didn't see, hold on, y'all can't see me. Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's my mouth? If you didn't see it, it was good. Yeah, <laughs> get into it. <laughs> I went, it made you feel like you were back there again, and you were like, "Yeah, we did have a lot of crap going on, but you know what?" If you weren't here, you didn't realize that there was still there was still a lot of love that was within the, our communities. Yeah. To where when you went up to the chop area, to where on TV it looked so scary, but when you would go up there, it's like no, nah, it's just a lot of people trying to like change some things. Yeah, you got to see it, and and of course, like, dang, we we didn't know this thing was gonna go on. It's not like we had legislation or something like <laughs> planned out. Like, okay, there's some mistakes made without a doubt, but it's a it's a moment in in history. But I I just feel. Uh, proud that I stuck to my guns yeah. and that I said, once I put that stake in the ground and said, this is what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to do this till the wheels fall off. And now this is something tangible. This is something that my family went from kicking me out the house and me having to go sleep on couches for two years to like my family embracing it and being proud of me and supporting me with it. This is something that all my friends and all the people around me look at with with hope and, and belief and pride. And so for me, it's just like, I'm playing with house money. I already became what I would wake up and take a bus for and be here at six in the morning, collect change for. I already became that. And I know that I can influence so many other people positively. And that if I am selfless with my light, that it's going to create a, a ripple effect for generations to come. And I'm not going nowhere for 50 plus years, God willing that I'm alive. And if I'm not, then my energy will continue forever. And that's on period. If you feel I'm, I'm locked. Like, there's the no in. questions about it's that. It's already, ha it's already happened. You know, I would say, I mean, it's already a tingling. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. Exactly. <laughs> it's just going to continue. It's and that's gone. what makes it so dope. Yeah. Um, Six randoms with Besa. You know, I could easily go into your music, but I feel like someone like yourself, you're so much more than music. So it's more important to me to talk to you about who you are and your values and the different things that you're doing for the city and what you want to do for the city and just gen in general how that makes you feel so in, in case you're wondering yeah. that's why we didn't dive deep into the oh, music good. things of People life know, go on all streaming platforms you can listen <laughs> they to already music, know what it is you know we're we're a ball of energy and an entity yeah i'm above uh just being music i could do anything period yeah acting music Come video on. directing yeah just, just so many things do like it all. you don't have to just Whatever. be in the booth you know give me an opportunity i promise you i'll crush it and that is what should be like a highlight in the sam interview okay <laughs> uh random number one we already know that you like uh jerk shack mm -hmm. and you said one other spot earlier Chicago city what is some spot that you like in tacoma oh i got the i got the best one for you <gasps> uh it's a vegan spot uh quickie two quickie two oh, we is slopping it's absolutely, it's like Southern comfort, vegan food. Every time I'm in Tacoma and it's open, I go there. Uh, What's your favorite thing to order? Uh, they have like a, a country fried, like a, it's like an imitation of like Is it a country fried steak. Yeah, I think so. No, I think it's sentient. How do you, how do you say that? Uh, I don't sentient. Know. Okay, you're not. Yeah, I'm like, I just know a lot of times they do like steak with like a big mushroom these days. No, nah, it's like it it's like more like just tofu like style. I think it's called sentient or whatever. Okay, um, and uh, it's so bomb. They also have these hush puppies there that are just ridiculous. The green slap, the mac and the uh, they call it's not mac and cheese, veganese. Uh, mac and cheese goes crazy. Um, and the the fried 
chicken sandwich. They call it fried chicken, but it's it's so, I think it's again like tofu type vibes. Um, and the, the buffalo cauliflower goes crazy. Yeah, Quickie Two is that's your spot. I promise you. Okay. Yeah. Um, one spot in the Seattle Tacoma area that you haven't performed at yet, but you want to. Uh, they already let me in climate pledge. Oh, you know, they just hit 2 million people like coming in there. Did they? Yeah. It's pretty wild in there. Seeing yourself on that jumbotron, that'll fire you up. That'll open up I the portal. I, I'm like, the I can do anything. And I was like, I can do one anything. Day. I'm on the jumbotron right now. Uh, no one can tell me jack. Yeah, you feel me? They, uh, we already rocked the Let Neptune. Let me get my salty. <laughs> yeah. I felt, once I was on the jumbotron, I'm like, it's hard to be humble stunned <laughs> on the jumbotron. It's tough out here. It was already tough out here, but it's real tough out here now. Yeah. Uh, they got to let me in the Paramount. Mm. Let me rock the Paramount. That's that's crazy energy. I saw the weekend there. I saw two chains there. Um, when I was working for iHeart, uh, who was it? I think it was fun. Uh, they actually were working an event where they were letting people into a sound check. This is before I had a band and I saw a professional sound check for mm. the first time working as an intern here at the Paramount Theater. And I thought, those are some moments. You know? I'm like, Ooh, one day I'm going to be right where that guy is. He had a wireless mic that was gold and that Ooh, I, I went and bought a gold. Yeah, so uh, they got to let me in the Paramount. They got to let me rock that. I'll shut it down. Guaranteed. What is something about old Seattle that you wish would come back this year? Wow. Uh, I I feel like people got to just, you know, people talk about the quote unquote Seattle freeze. And mm -hmm. I guess I'm not, since I'm not from out of town, I never felt that really. We're just not frozen people. Yeah, They're out here. Exactly. Like, I guess. But I feel like... Uh, Today, when I was walking down the street and I you know, decided to take the bus and do everything the exact same, because the sun was out, everybody was smiling at each everybody other. I was in such a good mood and today. I just, I just remember that. There was a dude singing Whole Foods. <laughs> and everybody was happy about it. They weren't looking at him like, get him out of here or anything. Yeah, I feel like that's what we got to bring back is like, you got to say what's up to people when they walk by. You see somebody, you give them the head nod. If it's a black person, head nod them. If it's a white person or whoever smile, hey, how you doing? You know, give them that, give them that energy back. Like, don't don't treat it like we're not in this together. I feel like Seattle lost our connectivity. Like we're we're little separate pockets now, and and people act like we could never understand each other. At the end of the day, we're all living in a rainforest. That yeah. alone should be enough that we're like. Hey, you choose to live the in a moisture. rainforest, then I choose to live in a rainforest, and that alone, we're good because we could easily move. He said, if you choose to live in a rainforest, <laughs> it's not, not what we're in. We're literally in a rainforest. Like the sun today changed. I see people in shorts. It's 44 degrees out. They said, Hi, how are you? I said, I'm doing great. Um, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> I was catching the spirit. Oh, snap. I was like, oh, I can leave my coat at home today. Yeah, yeah. It could have really, but I just decided to. Uh, do you watch wrestling? I sure do. AEW or WWE? I'm AEW because uh, Defy is the, the pipeline to AEW. <laughs> and I we love, know about it. Wasn't I just saying that yeah, earlier, the pipeline. Oh. We got the Niners right here. Defy is the top Miners leap funneling into AEW. I they got just, the talent. So what people don't realize is when I did my first interview with Swerve, that yeah. was set up. Shout out I don't know how that happened, but wait a minute. Hold on. You're not on my screen anymore. Pause. You're in the show. Those little things where you're like, <laughs> it's good. Okay, Thanks. there you are. You're back. So 
When what's crazy about wrestling is people don't realize that when JC linked me up with Swerve to do that interview, I was like, I haven't watched wrestling since I was like 13, if even that. And so then within doing that, I've been like, okay, more of them are going to be coming to the city. And I need to understand these storylines because they give soap opera. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So then as I'm watching them, I'm like, okay. AEW Defy Defy Wrestling was the first one that I actually saw in person and then I ended up going to an AEW one when they were at Climate recently and then I started watching WWE Uh and then when I'm scrolling through the WWE options when you just type it in I was like well what's next so then I clicked that and I was like so because I ended up watching Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. So you, then, oh, you're in deep. <laughs> so then I see people from Royal Rumble on Next. And I was like, well, I see people from Defy on AEW. Yeah. So then I asked AEW, JC. I said, is AEW Defy basically the same thing as WWE <laughs> Next? But yeah. that's how invested that I got. Because I that's was like, amazing. I need to understand. Because yeah. it all comes together at a certain point. Yeah. And if you're not watching all of like, you're like, oh, I'm only going to watch WWE. You're like, okay, well, why doesn't this make sense? Because you got to watch the Next or really the Defy yeah. to where it all really makes sense. Because they're all like, It's meh. a culture. It's a culture. And for me, uh, Defy, that's really where I, I got into it is because uh, there's a guy named Matt Farmer and Jim Perry. Those are the people that kind of help. Hey, Matt. Hey, how you doing, Matt? Love you, brother. Um, they, they really bring Defy to the, the Pacific Northwest region. And one day they hit me up. They're like, uh, I, I don't remember how we first got introduced. I think I just hit it because I'm the type of person that if I see something that I really rock with, I'm going to try to, I'll do the research, find the owner of it and DM that person directly. I'm like, yo, I'm Marshall. This is what we do in the community. I'd love to like perform or whatever, whatever. They're like, I don't really see how that fits, but here's some tickets. Come see what's going on. I went and met people and then they hit me like, yo, can you get down to Portland tomorrow? Uh, we need you to come host a Defy. So I jumped on the Bolt bus, mob down to Portland and at the uh, Rose Temple Theater. And I uh, hosted Defy uh, as like uh, it. I had my note cards and stuff because I they gave me so much information. I'm like looking down. <laughs> like, like he weighs how many pounds? Yeah, oh, oh, no. Coming to the ring. You know, I, had, I had the voice for it. I, actually, I did. All right. I, I could have done better, but I did. All right. And, uh, you know, that got me hooked. And I bought a Swerve shirt that night. And then to see Swerve just uh, matriculate through the ranks. I know how much they put their body through. Yeah. I know how much sacrifice goes into it. A lot of these people, especially at like the Defy level, they might meet that day and plan out how they're going to execute such a crazy physical feat. And it just made me respect them so much and see so many parallels in the entertainment industry of what I go through, what they go through, but then they add in that physical component to it, which is in, is part of performance as well, but I'm not jumping off the top rope and backflipping and doing all the wild stuff Swerve is doing. But yeah, Defy, if you've never been to Defy and you're watching this in the P&W, make sure you find your way. They do it in Tacoma. They do it at Washington Hall. They do it in... Uh, and they're back next month. I mean, yeah. we're at February 1st uh, February, right now. But they're... Well, 11th yeah, and March, March 11th. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to yep. be at both of them if I can, if the, if the oh, basketball absolutely. schedule lines up. Yeah. Matt, we're pulling up. Yeah, come on, Matt. You already know. They're going to take he care of us. He knows that we're coming. Yeah, he does. He does. He got us on the list <laughs> already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love how intense the fans are and how great, like... It, at first, I was amazing. like, oh my God. Did you feel at home, though, after by the end <laughs> no, of it? scream anything <laughs> i brought my homie uh, uh lex scope from scope screenings and hey, whatnot lex. i took lex to his first one and like by I the end lex. of it he was just part of it 
yeah. All of a sudden, everyone is like, I don't know, everyone's angry by the end, but happy. And, and uh, yeah, the funniest conversations are going to be when you go to the bathroom and you just ask people like, "What? Who? What's going on?" And stuff like, "Man, I can't believe that Swerve did this, man. I knew he was." Yeah, it's just like it's just so intense, and they love it so much, and, and it's uh, that enthusiasm is contagious, and yeah. I think it goes back to what we're trying to rebuild here in Seattle is like. To just have some enthusiasm for life and day-to-day life. Yeah. Defy, Defy, Defy provides that for so many people in our community. It's electric. Yeah, it's amazing. I felt it and I was like, I don't know what I'm coming into here to. I got dressed and I was like, I feel like this is a wrestling-esque outfit. It worked <laughs> photo-wise. Yeah. I had like some high shorts and like some thigh highs and there a big old go. coat. It yeah. all worked out. But by the time I left here, I was like... <gasps> How long has this been going on? Right. And y'all didn't call me? <laughs> we're trying to get Defy. Uh, it's a little sneaky. You know, we're trying to get Defy at Fremont Fridays. Speaking you know? of Fremont Fridays, yeah. I'm coming. Come on. It's down the street. It's free. It's for the people. It's, down the street. it's, it's nothing like it. You know, we, we, we primarily focus on highlighting, you know. Well, you uh, should get Swear to perform. Our, that's already in the works. Okay, we'll gonna say be less. there. He's going to be there. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, you know, it's one of these things where eventually I really want to be internationally. I want to be on the road about five, six months out the year. Mm. Right now I'm at the point where it's like two months out the year. And then I spent about three months in LA. You're in London. Yeah. London, Munich, uh, you're Italy. Yeah. And that that's where I find uh, my motivation and my strength is through travels. Yeah. And that's where I feel like I can get a worldly perspective uh, wide enough to bring back something of value to uh, the region nowadays before and that, and that's kind of something that's wild as you work your way up through the ranks and you know your initial goal is like i just want to be regionally recognized so i'm at every uh open mic i'm at every local event and then as you ascend to that spot now your goals and your day-to-day habits change and for the people around you that still have the same habits in the same day to day, they look at you a little bit differently, but you also build connections with the people who now have an international perspective. Yeah. And that has been kind of the hardest transition for me is, you know, having to accept the fact that what my goals used to be and my habits used to be aren't the same. I've grown and changed as a human being. And now my goals and my habits are such that I want to become an internationally touring success story. And my habits have to mimic those same aspirations and so i can't do or be in the places that i used to be at Mm -hmm. with the same people i used to be at because now i want to be over here and i had to forgive myself for wanting that for myself and that's a hard thing to do Mm -hmm. but i am very uh proud of the contributions of fremont friday and emerald city gala and the jelly bean and stuff that will continue to do around here but I got real high aspirations and they're international. Absolutely. And we deserve to be international. Yeah. And come on now. Worked hard enough. Went to enough uh, change. I carried stuff. enough tents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 the tent's heavy. heavy as hell. Have you carried a tent at Wild Waves on your shoulder up to where the, the, the hawk, whatever, the eagle, whatever that hawk thing is? <laughs> that thing is heavy, okay? But someone that's shorter than you? Come on. There's nothing worse than the uneven tank carry. Nobody understands. Then you got to go back for the speakers. 
is the trouble I've dealt. Oh crap! Yeah. Okay, carrying Super Sam's DJ stuff. I never ba- had to Vegas, do that. Actually, I Vegas didn't have DJ to do that stuff. One time. Heavy, heavy. I will say that they were very helpful, but only because I'm a girl, but. I still had to carry a table and a tent at some point. Got it. You don't feel good. Got uh, it. Real quick, last two questions. Yeah. Uh, number one is, oh my God, where'd it go? All right, well, I'm just I see you got a right Bible's now. worth of notes. I'm appreciative that you can't. <laughs> Get out my notes, so, I mean, See, I was like, dang, she prepared as hell, okay? Uh, that should be. Yeah, I respect. Uh, one misconception of living in Seattle. Um, people think that it rains all the time, which it kind of does. But in every day that rains, if you wake up early enough, you're going to find a pocket. Mm-hmm. And if you do something with that pocket, your life will be exponentially better. So you have to get on your app. You have to see when it stops raining and then get outside and do something in the wilderness and you'll be a lot happier and you won't be as depressed. One misconception about being a musician from Seattle. Uh, people think that we're like paid you know we're like the 11th biggest market the people out here are not giving us big checks even if we pack out the spot and it is an absolute struggle most musicians that i know have three or four other jobs to make this thing possible i feel so blessed that i'm able to do music and coach basketball and those are the two things that i do but i will show up at bloodworks northwest and host Mm -hmm. a concert i will show up any and everywhere that they got a check for me because i want to make this thing happen so there it's it's one thing to have fame but fame local fame it does not translate to financial success in this city and you have to break the barrier to a national and international level in major cities to really be able to keep this thing sustainable for artists to come. So if there are artists that you love and you support and they're regional right now, put some money in their pocket because likelihood is they're trying to, they're probably living paycheck to paycheck. I absolutely agree with that. And I think people automatically assume that because we have so much tech up here and they're like, there's so much money in Seattle. It's not coming this way. It's not coming to me. It's not coming this way. I've done about two, three Amazon gifts like we were talking about <laughs> earlier and the paycheck was cool. But unless I'm doing those every single week, uh, you know, I, this money's got to come from somewhere. And that, you know, that kind of leads me to like, you got to be innovative out here. One of the main things that we're creating and I would encourage any artist uh, to create is not only your LLC, we got, we're creating a nonprofit so that we can go after these grants. We can create uh, what we're trying to do is create a nonprofit called Music for Everyone. So we would bring music into spaces that aren't traditionally marketed to. So whether it be like uh, senior homes or, you know, those that are living with disabilities, we'll go and play music directly for them. And then we can receive grants for those and create specific positions and roles that actually has some, uh, you know, an actual stipend and a salary. And then just then just maybe we'd be able to do music for the next five years. Come on, salary. You know, you know, so you have to get creative, you have to get innovative and you have to look at it like a, a business for even these corporations and this tech tech money to even be in a conversation for what's going on. I absolutely agree. And I think that that's something that people don't understand about Seattle. There's so many different layers to the city to where it's like it's way more than just Amazon. Hell, they're not even reopening up their office in downtown mm-hmm. Seattle. So that's how much y'all really don't yeah. know about yeah. it. Here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Before I get you out of here, is there anything that you want to tell your fans, your supporters, your family? Uh, I just want to say thank you for allowing this full circle moment to occur 
and that uh, you guys all have poured so much life into me, you included, that uh, I feel an obligation to share this light and to lock in and progress. And I'm committed to progressing over this next decade. I feel like I've finished my first phase of uh, this entertainment industry and I'm prepared and capable of showing y'all a next gear. And I'm ready to take that step into the next gear. The people around me are ready to take that next step. And you're only going to see a higher level of intensity and a, a brighter, more intense light coming from me. I love it, you know, and we can only get brighter. You know, it's only January. I mean, February. So summertime is coming. Oh, yeah. We got some time Seattle, to brighten up around here. You're in the, it's the dungeon days we got right some now. Time. Everyone's going to be real pale, including my brown self. Okay, <laughs> It happens. Um, but either way, you guys, look, I want to thank you so much for tapping in with us. I absolutely want to thank Marshall for coming down here and hanging out with me on this lovely, lovely Wednesday, February 1st, kicking off Black History Month with me. I don't know when y'all are going to see this, but that is when he is here right about now, just so you know, date wise. Um, in the meantime, between time, look, you guys already know what I am going to say. That is one. Make sure you, keep, you guys keep up with Marshall and everything that he's going got going on. Two, keep up with me on social media at Basa Gordon. And three, make sure that you have an amazing rest of your day. And obviously, keep that energy high. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.